Welcome to another episode of Ran Out of Talent. I am your host, Joser Jr. And with me this week, we have the owner of Donathan Racing Products, Zach Donathan. How are you doing tonight, Zach? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Joe? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing okay, to be honest. Um, have you ever heard of the sugar-free gummy bear issue? I haven't. You're going to have to look up the reviews on Amazon. <laughs> I ate some sugar-free stuff, and then um, I went to do jiu-jitsu and spar some kickboxing, got kicked in the guts a few times, but I'm all right. It's Okay. Oh, it's all, all in fun. So I'm just a little sore and whatever, so... So first off, before we get into what you do, I'd like to know, how did you get your start into RC and racing in general? So how I got my um, start into RC, my dad used to race uh, remote cars back in the 80s. Ah. That's... And he took a long break when I was born in 93, and then he started up racing again uh, when I was 8 in 2001. Okay. Um, so my first truck was older than I was, and we were able to resurrect some of the old uh, NICAD packs, and we went racing with an analog radio. Yep. Um, and that's that's how I got started. Hey, you know, my first RC car, um, my dad started in around 1987, and I was five years old and I just kept bugging him and bugging him and bugging him and he built me a car out of spare parts in 1988 it was a hobbled together mess but I love that thing I drove the wheels literally off of it a few times <laughs> um so um let's see what um what brand of what kind of cars are you running now are you running on-road off-road I know you have a euro truck yeah, so I have run every car except um, a real GTR car and an eighth nitro uh, truggy. Um, so, I used to, so I started off in off road. Yep. And then I gradually worked my way into on road. Yep. And right now I, I primarily race uh, touring car. Okay, so in your area, what is popular? 21.5 or 17.5? 21.5 is popular. Um, I actually just moved down to Louisville. Okay. And um, at my at what was my home track, uh, Michigan RC Raceway in South Bend, Indiana, um, we switched to 21.5 this year after talking to a bunch of the guys. Um, and we made that decision based off of a couple criteria. Um, the national kind of racing scene and, and touring car was looking to go to 21.5, um, as well as some of the local guys wanted to race USGT. But that would split. Um, so previously, we didn't have a USGT class. Okay. So that would have split the touring car class up and then the VTA class up. Okay. So we made the decision as a, a group of racers to just go 21.5 touring car and eliminate USGT. Uh, that that is a smart move from what I've heard. So uh, that's how it worked there, and then down here in Louisville. Okay. Um, and it just seems to happen that I am 
where the changes are happening, um, whether it be good or bad. I'm not sure, but it seems to be to positive. But uh, I happen to be down here for the 21.5 change as well. So um, I helped the track pick out a spec tire. I talked to the racers and then the, the hobby shop at the track and see what they had um, availability-wise and what you know what the guys thought of racing 21.5 or 17.5 because one week they'd have 21.5, one week they'd have 17.5. So it's kind of hard to get a traveling racer down there if they don't know what class you're running. Oh, correct. Um, that was pretty similar to down here at the start of the winter. But then everybody just went to 21.5. I don't know if you've heard, but Dollar Hobby, it's been around since 2003. They were just primarily an internet store. They um, expanded and built a really world-class race facility. And they've been trying to get things figured out there, which is kind of shocking, though. Our, the biggest class in Minnesota isn't very big there. Usually 12-scale stock is the biggest. 21.5 touring car is starting to take over a little bit so it's becoming popular i'm kind of tempted to try one i was against not against i didn't like rubber tire on the gray carpet but i have yet to try it on the black so i've heard it's like foam like back in the day um so when i started racing touring car and what i would call a professional sense and i'm using air quotes around the word professional yeah um but more so taking it semi-seriously um the whole time it's been rubber touring car so i came in to the touring car scene right after they switched to rubber tire okay so um it, that's all all you've known right um and you know i ran 12 scale for a number of years and to be frank I'm I'm kind of glad that it's not there anymore because truing tires and having to replace tires every round that is expensive, time-consuming, and just an overall hassle. You're you're not wrong there. I I personally that's one part of twelve scale I dislike. But man, we have the one part I do like is we have national level drivers in Minnesota, and that really helps. It does. So it seems to be whatever the fast guys run yep. uh, locally is what's big there, right? So you guys have like Weta, Van Ert, um, Skittles, Gubs, right. you know, those guys. Yep. And I'm sure I'm missing a few. Uh, I can't forget uh, Charlie yeah. Menard. But, um, right. you know, the fast guys that run, at least in northern Minnesota area, um, I'm not too familiar with the the rest of Minnesota, but so it's it seems like whatever group. the fast guys run locally is what the biggest class tends to be. Yep. Um, and I'm not trying to hate on foam tire. I just I, I don't think it's an optimal solution right now. But it seems like you know for them that's part of what they like about twelve scale the yep. tire game and the. You know, things like that. Yeah. And there's a tire game for all the classes, right? So turning car, right. it's how much glue do you run? Do you glue the rears? Do you glue, just glue the fronts? You know, how how tall do you glue them up? And, you know, things like that. Right. Um, yeah, it's that's the thing, though. If your glue chips on a touring car tire, you can re-glue it nice, like you can get it nice again. Uh, with the 12-scale tire, you chip that, you're not getting that surface flat again. So that that is a little brutal. I might try it. It's 
The twenty-one, so, I like the twenty-one-five option because seventeen-five. Every every run they would run, at least a third of a third of the field would break in a race. It was just a little too much, I think. Well, so when seventeen-five came out initially, the idea was you know be a slower class that kind of leveled the playing field. Well, now we're back to. I mean, the, especially if you look at. 17.5 buggy. Yep. Stock two-wheel drive yeah. buggy. Those, most of the stock guys are running modified times. Ah, uh, yeah. And then, and if you go to the 17.5 touring car and you look at um, modified touring car, while the modifieds are much faster, um, and, you know, depending on the level of talent, um, you know, some of the world, world champion drivers can obviously blow the wheels off a 17.5 turning car, right. but on a national event in the U S um, you know, you're talking three or four tenths and that's not that much. No, not at all. Um, so with, with the move to 21.5 touring car, um, a couple things I've noticed one, it's easier to drive, right? Because it's, it's slower. Yep. Um, the second is that more guys are getting into it because it's not, crazy anymore it's not with 21.5 at a national level the top the a main there's still a motor game going on but there, for a club level right now there's so many good motors on the market that you can almost pick up any decent racing motor um and just go, gear it and, and um time it right and you're good to go right yeah so and in, in so we did the testing um, at a couple different tracks, and it's between two to three tenths slower on a large track to a small track, and that's not that much slower, but no. it ends up being more controllable right. for the average guy. Correct, and at with least. most things, I'm the average guy, so I'm liking the sounds of twenty one five to be honest. Um, so let's get into it. So. What is it like? Um, what was it like starting uh, Donathan Racing Products, and why charging leads? Um, so I'll start with the easy question: Why charge leads? Yes. Uh, because I got tired of mind breaking. I, um, I hear that one. So I started out making charge leads for the guys at the track locally. Okay. And then I kind of, it kind of expanded from there. Um, so I, I used to work at a supermarket, a local supermarket as a meat manager. Okay. And they, um, they decided that, um, I don't know put, um, they, the, my manager then decided that he didn't need any ethics or morals. So I didn't. Uh, quite like working for him anymore. So I uh, I decided just to make Donathan RC official. Before it was just kind of a side business. Now it's it's what I do full time. So the, it is your full time gig now, huh? Yes. Nice. Um, and what what was your first question, Joe? I'm, I'm sorry. That, oh, that's okay. What, um, what's it like starting up an RC company? It, you kind of answered it. You were just making um, leads for local racers. It sounded like, and you built it into a full-time gig. Yeah. So it's a lot of, 
the RC industry is not known for sustainability in terms of businesses, especially smaller businesses. Now, manufacturers, right. um, they have a lot of stick in the game, so they tend to stick around because, well, they can. Um, if you have enough money to invest in a making a touring car or a, a buggy or, like, your team associated or something, you have a lot of money um, – cash flow if you will just to hang out and even if you don't have a super profitable year if you break even and you have inventory left over you can hang out for the next year and you know you'll be okay for a small business it's not quite that easy right uh i mean i could foresee you being a big i mean everybody starts out small like i don't know if you know the history of team associated but Back in the 60s, they started out making slot car parts. And then they eventually developed their own slot car, built an RC car, and it snowballed from there. So, I mean, I could see... The reason I could see Donathan Racing Products getting bigger than your average guy, there's a few reasons. I've noticed that you put extra care into your stuff the resistance on your leads we tested it between um um we've tested the resistance with the voltage meter on the ohm setting between your lead a tq lead and a protec lead and yours blew them out of the water by far and you have an obscene amount of options building a charge lead. Like I seriously spent five to 10 minutes going through everything, just trying to think of, Ooh, getting everything right. And it, it, it actually feels good to spend the money on something that's going to be uniquely yours. You know what I mean? I agree, Joe. And so, um, I, I appreciate the kind words. It's nice to, to hear that. Um, so the, that's kind of, there's a lot of meat in that statement. Um, so we have 59 billion options and that's billion with a B. Yeah. Um, available and in stock. Um, and we're planning to expand that and make the options a little bit easier. So, so like you said, with all those options, it's a little bit overwhelming. It is. Um, and so with that, I try to be, available for questions and i have some diagrams up but i'm not the best at making diagrams um i'll be the first to admit that but i try to you know it's it's an evolving um situation so i try to make it friendly to use and and i think they've um it's helped people um ordering wise yeah um now, the resistance of the leads, and I actually went over this quite a bit in my, my live uh, Facebook um, giveaway videos. Um, and the, the reason that our leads have a lower resistance than some of the other brands on the market uh, is a couple of reasons. First being the products that we put them together with. Okay. The second being the care that we, we put them together with. And the third being the techniques that we, we use when we assemble them. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, is that all? I'm I'm sure that's all industry secret, but I'm sure. Well, my guess is you're not using like I just picked up a MPS iron, but I can't foresee manufacturing charge leads with them. 
Um, you know, I don't. I'm not familiar with the my pit space um, soldering iron. I will say that a good soldering iron and knowing how to solder well uh, does take a large part in my um, in the resistance of it. Yep. And I did uh, try to put a couple of videos up on our Facebook page of a solder tutorial, and it seemed to help out the guys that watched it at least. Okay. Um, that leads into a. Another question I have for you, um, this was people, nobody answered the Facebook post. Everybody just liked it. I actually deleted the first one because I tried putting a link to your Facebook page. And when I shared the entire post, it was just sharing the link to your Facebook page. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's one of those weird Facebook deals. But um, my dad, he is... He's obsessive when it comes with wiring. Like with the with his twelve scale, he'll spend hours just getting it just right. All that stuff. He's wondering um, if if you can't give it up, that's fine. But what kind of solder and soldering iron you're using? But if you can't give it up, I totally understand. Sure. So, uh, well, that's not proprietary. So the um. The solder that I use, and I'm looking at a roll right now, is um, the size is 0.8 diameter, and I think that helps a little bit. Oh, for sure. So um, I used to use a larger diameter wire, solder wire, and I found that though, um, while it worked fine, I got a lot of, like, to solder fast, I ended up getting a lot of excess solder, and then it would drip on my, my um, floor mat. Okay. So that's not very efficient. Um, <laughs> so I just happened to have a smaller roll of wire, and I used it, and I didn't have that problem. So I used um, and the the cotter or the well, well, geez, the solder is a sixty three thirty seven um, solder. Okay. Um, and um, one disclaimer I do put out there is if you're gonna solder with leaded solder and you're going to use stuff you know any amount of it really you want to make sure that you have proper ventilation or right. a um a hvac system or some kind of um system to move the air around at least to reduce the the fumes in the in the air okay um and then the the iron i use is actually i'm i'm about to upgrade but it's just a track power track power iron Really, I'm yeah. It's it's kind of embarrassing to to say that, it's, but that's it's not. Just... But it, it's kind of cool because I mean, the, it does the job and it does it well. I mean, it was one of those. It's the the very first one I have, and I have um, I have a spare one, and I'm going to. I was actually looking into it today of of an industrial soldered iron, but I don't really know. I didn't get enough meat and potatoes into it to really to know the difference. Okay. I mean, you're talking a hundred dollar iron versus a thousand dollars. Yes. Is I, it you I, know I, is it worth it? Well, when I was looking for an iron to have at the track, I I was going through all the options and I was looking on several websites and all that stuff, and it's like. The one up, I don't like that it comes with a setup and it's just battery powered. 
The MPS is nice because you plug it right into your power supply. It gets up to 850 degrees in about 25 seconds, and it's ready to rip. And then I started going deeper on Amazon, seeing what they have, and I was looking at those $1,000 irons, and a reason why a lot of them are um, a little bit more expensive is because some of them don't build up static electricity, so they're safer to um, work on, like, motherboards and stuff like that. That's one Uh. of the reasons, but I couldn't find a good reason for, I mean, maybe an LRP iron if you're wanting to spend extra cash, but other well, than I don't that, know. You're I got to look into it. Um, and actually, I have the uh, the one up iron I travel with, yep. and it's um, it come. It, I ordered, I got like the very one of the very first ones for the. I ordered it with the pre order. Okay. When they first came out, um, and it's it has a little power converter, and you just plug it into an outlet. Well, that's nice. Um, and it works like that. I heard good things about the my pit space, but. I know you that you could run the um, one up off battery, but I use uh, just the converter that it came with. Right. I don't believe it comes with the converter anymore, and that's why I went with the uh, MPS. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I guess I haven't been keeping up on it after I I bought it originally. Yeah, no reason but... to. Yeah. Oops. I just my microphones are a little sensitive. Um, I just barely touched the stand with my phone. Um. <laughs> What else? Um, how long does it take you to build a set of leads and um, to customize a heated lipo bag? Also, so um, the the time it takes to to make a charge lead really depends on what options are ordered. Okay. Um, and so like our level up ones take, uh, and I won't give any exact times, um, but I can give you percentages. Okay. So the level up ones take, which are the fully sheathed ones for anybody not knowing, and they have sheathed on the balancing wire and yep. the. I just got um, a leveled up one personally, and everybody's been coming to my pits and staring at at it, and they're like, "Oh, where do you get that?" and all that. Anyway, sorry, continue. That's okay. So it's got sheathing on the main body and the sheathing on the wire and on the balance extensions. So I will say it does take me 150 percent longer to make one of those. Then it does a um, a standard one with just the sheathing in the middle. Right. Um, and it takes me about the same amount of time to make a customized heated lipo safe as it does a uh, a regular charge lead. Okay. Um. um and kind of, I don't, I don't talk about the time it takes because, um, several reasons, and that's just something that I, I just. Uh, a company secret yeah i just don't discuss some i i'm open with a lot of things um just not that one thing in particular yeah um and you're also going to become faster with it over time and all that other stuff too i mean i have special jigs that i have made um that help me out and so it's it's one of those things um and to go just a little bit further from your previous uh, statement about the, the the kind of the cost. I mean, if you're wanting a, a regular charge lead, it's it's twenty dollars 
plus shipping, um, and really depends on the customization. Could be a little bit more, but not right. too terribly more. Um, and then the leveled up ones start at twenty five plus shipping. So really, you're out the same money as you would buying another branch charge lead, or at least similar. Yep. Um, and then you can get a completely customized one. I yeah, I totally enjoy the customized ones myself. I have to order more here soon. I've been getting ready for a trip in Omaha, so all my extra RC money's been going towards tires. Ah. Yeah, can't race without them. <laughs> um, so explain, I know you've explained a dozen times your heated lipo bag, but why a heated lipo bag over a discharge bank? That's okay. So this is a question I get semi-frequently. Um, and I have a nice video. It's about an hour long on the Facebook page, but I'll summarize it for you. Okay. So there's there's um, five aspects to a heated lipo bag that a discharge bank does not have. Um, the first one is safety. So yep. the batteries catch fire and or explode because of the rapid discharge in them. And you can see this a lot with eight scales and four-wheel drive short course, at right. least when batteries were, lipo batteries were still newer. Okay. Um, so the extreme discharge is what's, it. well, it builds heat, but it also um, physically alters the chemistry of the battery. So when you're using a discharge bank, it's not as safe as you opposed to a, um, a lipo safe. Okay. A heated lipo safe. So, um, and another benefit of that is that you have the battery in a lipo safe, which is not fire resistant, but it is flame retardant. So it'll give you it gives you um, time to get it to a safe place to burn yep. um, if something were to happen. Um, the second option is it actually has a better performance advantage to a discharge bank. The heated lipo safe does, um, and I got. I showed uh, graphs on the, the video on the Facebook page showing that it was better. Yep. Um, the third thing is control. So you can't control the temperature of the battery when you're discharging it with the discharge bank. Okay. Um, and so the battery can get too hot. You don't want the batteries to exceed 140 degrees Fahrenheit or else they start damaging the cells yep. itself. Um, so the lipo safe, my heated lipo safe, um, gives one battery, a two cell stick pack shorty or, um, a one S pack approximately a hundred to 110 degrees, depending on, um, how long it's been in there and, and how, how many packs are in there. Um, the, the third or the fourth thing is the price. So you're looking at some of those discharge banks are 150 bucks, and you're getting um, something that's very warm right next to your charger, and um, you know it, it looks it looks bland. So and, and that's my opinion, and you know that's okay um, because everyone has has their own things to say about it, but that's what I think. Well, and pit so aesthetics with, are important. I think. Well, I like I like aesthetics, and that's. I mean, I think you can see that in the brand. There's oh, there's quite sure. a few options. Um, 
so our our heat and lipo safe start out at thirty four ninety nine plus shipping. So you could get two, three, four heated lipo safes for the same price. Right. Um, and then the last thing is customization. So the discharge banks, a lot of them only have nine inch or twelve inch leads on them. Yep. And so you can't really move your pit space around. You have to kind of set it up in a certain way so that it'll work. With your heated lipo safe, I have options all the way up to six feet for the length of the lipo safe. That's awesome. And it just plugs right into your 12 volt power supply. Yep. I so was going to say the, you forgot the, that option. <laughs> yeah. So you get the port on your charger back too. Yeah. So you don't have to have an eye charger to gain this performance advantage. Right. Well, I, I have the eye charger and uh, my, my son has started racing eventually i'm gonna have to get another one but right now with having that extra bank open has helped me greatly getting him going and all that other stuff and i don't have the equipment to experiment like you do i'm sure but um i have been experimenting a bit with uh um i've been experimenting with the eye charger and watching the resistance and all that stuff and every single time my R1 packs end at 0.8 per cell with your leads and your heated bag, if I don't use a heated bag, and if I use even, let's just say I don't use a heated bag, that number goes up almost double. It really does a great job. I, I think I, I enjoy it. Um, One thing I was wondering, have you ever considered taking the um battery warmer situation and um making tire warmers because they seem a little similar um you know i'm not really sure what exactly is involved in a tire warmer um i haven't thought about it um and that's that could be a future um outlet for us okay so another thing you're getting into the hardware business on the rc side um you you pretty soon you're getting in a bunch of stuff aren't you yeah so the in terms of hardware we're bringing in this um this really neat company it's called inertia okay and they make um a variety of screws and um, we're bringing in a screw that is currently not available on the market. Um, well, I, I hope we are. I'm waiting for the samples, the second batch of samples to f finish testing them. Okay. Um, but it looks good, but I want to make sure that it's a, it's a durable product right? and that it's a product that, um, is you know people are going to be happy with um the particular product is aimed towards racers but um i imagine some other people could use it so the the products that we will be bringing in immediately would be steel and aluminum screws okay. um in m3 sizes that's good idea just common Right, so that's a lot of the the RC vehicles. So we're targeting both on-road and off-road. Um, 
and the aluminum screws initially um, will be in a couple sizes, M3 by 8, M3 by 6, and M3 by 10. Okay. Um, and we'll have those available in 10 colors. Oh, really? And what you, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, really, 10 colors, uh, That that's huge. That, and again, that's a, a great amount of options because usually you get blue, purple, or black, and that's about it. So we'll have, um, so the colors that we'll have are, make sure I get my fingers up here to count them, orange, blue, green, purple, silver, black, gunmetal, uh, pink, red, and I believe we're going with a bronze. Ooh. So um, those will be the 10 colors we're bringing in. Yep. Um, and something unique about our aluminum screws is the head design on them. So I went and got, oh, geez, I don't know, 10 samples from 10 different companies after talking to a bunch of them. Too yep. many. Um, and we went with this company because of the head design. So the head is 50% taller than a standard aluminum head screw. And okay. the the hex drive is 50% deeper than a traditional hex screw. Right. And we're comparing these to what, in my opinion, is one of the best screws on the market, the, the Hero Seiko. Um... And, you know, it could, and that's just my opinion. But for me, that's the screws that everyone kind of uses, well, yeah. at least in the on-road market. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to name brands, but um, last year with the A-Scale Nitro Buggy, I tried every level of titanium screw. And with the, with the Nitro Buggy, you truly, with, with titanium, you do get what you pay for from what is on the market um you you can't get away with weak stuff anymore because it'll just break and people be angry and i'm sure you i'm sure you're testing that against other similar products right so that's one of the reasons that we went with this this company um because the head design is so unique you're able to really get a nice longevity and durability out of the screw that normally isn't associated with aluminum screws. Okay. Now, they still have aluminum screw properties, and they don't really weigh any more than a traditional aluminum screw. I think 10 aluminum screws of the Inertia brand weigh point, less than 0.1 grams more than 10 regular aluminum screws. So yes. the additional head doesn't really add anything except uh, durability and longevity to the screw itself. Yeah. All right. And then, um, so I have those, and then we'll be bringing in countersunk aluminum screws and the M3 by 6 and M3 by 8. Okay. Um, and I'll have a variety of steel screws in stock. I believe M3 by to m3 by 20 in size initially and we might add and i'll expand on that once i kind of figure out what um what is needed and we'll also offer kits for all steel or steel and aluminum okay as well so are you gonna you know that would be awesome if you and and this is just coming from a 
pure customer standpoint. But we all know, like, with a standard B6.1 buggy, you cannot deck the whole thing out with aluminum screws, or no matter how strong they are, some of them will break in those high-stress areas. So right, that, like the shock towers right. and, and things of that nature. Right. Right. So those areas will get steel screws. Um, and then the areas of low stress, like uh, the servo mounts and yeah. um, like holding the transmission together, could get aluminum screws. Right. Um, but right now we're just bringing in those three sizes of aluminum for button head and then the two sizes for aluminum for um for the countersunk and those will those will meet most of the needs for a lot of the areas of those natures um and then steel screws or titanium would be better for those other areas right right of the high stress variety and that'll and the titanium screws will be something that comes in the future as well as standard sizes for the aluminum and steel screws okay um, so the oval market is still predominantly standard screws. Yep. Um, the CRC cars still use standard screws. Um, you had Vanner on your show last week and he yep. kind of talked a little bit about that. And I'm, it kinda it'd be nice me. to have all the cars on the market in one, one screw type. So you don't have to carry a bunch of them, but, um, it is what it is. Are CRC so I, is CRC the last one that still uses um, standard threads for the on-road market? I believe so. I um, think even for, I can't think of an off-road vehicle that uses them anymore. Um, Associated was the last holdout, and that was solved six years ago. Yeah, so, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any other products coming down the pipeline? So the um, I have them right now, but uh, I actually just ran out. I should have them in the mail. They're somewhere in the mail. Um, are the upgraded phone charge leads? Oh, so it's a fast charging um, phone charge lead that I can customize and okay. uh, with shielding color and heat shrink color. And they feature our uh, super durable ends on the charger side and the the end you plug in yes. to the uh, the converter and then the end you plug into your phone. Um, and they'll be available for the Android Type C yep. and the iPhone uh, style cord in three foot and six foot lengths. I'll tell you what, that is a game changer for anyone with kids because anybody with kids know man they're just rough on stuff we were literally buying charge cords in a six pack at one point because the kids they just you know they don't pay attention they they're rough on stuff and they wreck charge leads for their tablet or whatever constantly so that would help a bunch what do those run about so the three foot ones for the iPhone or the Android will the base model, which comes with sheathing in the middle, and then your choice of our DRC heat shrink. Um, we have nine colors in stock for that. Yep. Um, would be fifteen dollars plus shipping, 
or for the six foot, it's twenty dollars plus shipping. Nice. That's not a bad price at all. Um, they were very, they were a very popular door prize. Like everybody was looking at your, because I think you gave a set of charge leads and a. I don't remember if it's an iPhone lead or an Android lead for the Minnesota State Champs for door prizes. Um, but everybody loved them. That's uh, another thing I wanted to get into is um, you do a lot of um, Facebook Live promotions. Another one's coming up this week, and you also help sponsor local race. Well, you help sponsor races around the country that a lot of people, like, they're, it's important to the local guys, but it's not a national-level race. Um, do you find you get a lot of extra business out of it? Um, geez, I don't know. <laughs> it's so I haven't had a chance to look at the analytics from it and see where my, um, where people are coming to my site from. Yep. Um, so it, this point it's it's advertising for me it's just getting my name out there um and people are kind of looking at my products and then they'll go on facebook and and look at the the pictures for a while and right uh at some point they'll they'll pull the trigger and and order from the website or through facebook but to say that it helps i'm not really sure um i think it's kind of my way of of giving back that's another reason why I do the the page like videos on Facebook. So you're right. We have a video coming up. It's our 2,700 page like video. And is that April 9th? Is, I'm sorry. April 9th is that? What it, it is, is April 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Um. So I'm on Standard Time. So it is by the time the video gets done and I I get done with all the the messages from the video and that it's almost 10 o'clock my time. And then I like getting up at a decent hour in the morning. Right. So that time, um, and based off the survey results that we have, um, it seems like guys are happy with that Tuesday at 9 PM time. Um, so that, that kind of works out. Yeah. Well, so I'll tell you what, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's how, I found about, out about you and became a customer was uh, your Facebook Live videos. And it's kind of exciting, like, ooh, I'm in the drawing to win a really nice charge lead. And it, it keeps it keeps me there while you're explaining um, your products, which you do. You don't just sit there and collect names and messages. You explain what you are currently doing with Donathan Racing products. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a, a way for me to reach out to a bunch of people all at once and have um, an engaged audience. So I get questions during the videos that people wouldn't normally send me a message about, comment on our posts about, or anything like that. Okay. Um, and I think it's it's awesome. I like interacting with um with people and, and talking to people and um, you know, it's kind of hanging out and being a, a friend if you know they're not there to to support me they're you know they're there to be my friends and right. if i can you know the money's a, a byproduct of that it's i think i charge a reasonable price for the products that i i offer um and i try not to 
uh, take advantage of of people if that makes sense. Oh, um, I, I've gone through your whole website and I haven't I haven't found anything overpriced in my opinion at all. Everything's you have everything priced correctly. It's in that leveled up cable. Um, I would say it's on the cheaper side of what it should be because that thing is bulletproof. Well, and that's kind of one of those things. So pricing is is funny. Uh, Because I don't have to go through three distributors and they all don't have to make money on the product, I'm able to kind of keep that pricing low and still make um, similar margins to what these big brands are making. Okay. Um, now obviously when, if this keeps growing and things like that, the price might have to increase to accommodate for employees and, and things like that. Yep. Um, I was going to ask if you have any, uh, employees yet, but it doesn't sound like it. I just have, uh, myself at the moment, there's, um, a few volunteers that help out a few local guys. Okay. And then there are a variety of people behind the scenes, um, a few are family members, a few are friends, um, that help out with some of the engineering and business aspects and things like that. Okay. That's awesome. Um, so I talked to the owner of the 510 in Minnesota, and he was thinking about carrying your products in his hobby shop so what does a hobby shop have to do to get your product just get a hold of you directly on facebook or through your website yeah they just have to send me a message so if a hobby shop or business wants um excuse me if they want to carry any of our products uh they just have to reach out to us there's no minimum order quantity and we offer free shipping to hobby shops over a hundred dollars Oh, nice. So that's kind of my way of trying to expand the business a little bit. So the the hobby shops make it possible um, in terms of economies of scale for me to keep the products that I offer at the prices that I do um, because I'm able to buy in such large quantities um, okay. because I'm able to sell to these hobby shops and things like that for similar prices or better pricing and what they're getting other products from or, or for. Okay. Um, so I have a side question to that. So let's say a hobby shop is ordering in, let's say they order 10 leads. Would you recommend they order one or two colors or 10 different colors? Because it's, it's just a person. The charge leads can become such a personalized thing with you. And length, would you say 18 inches is the money or, um, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking about all the options and what a hobby shop should maybe order to have on their wall. Right. So if you're unsure about what products will sell for your hobby shop, um, I would say that the, the 24 inch, um, cable is probably the one to go with okay. now um there's there's different business models and different ideas behind each of it but to just start out with if you get say 
um, 10 of the 24 inches. And then you do, say, two in black, two in red, two in yellow, two in blue, and two in green. Okay. Um, that kind of just is some, some general colors that everybody can kind of agree with. Um, there are some hobby shops that I've made customized lead fours, um, leveled up leads with their colors and their logo on it. Um, and there are some that just like my cables for the regular and some of them like the leveled up ones. Um, it really depends on your customer base. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's great answer. Um, Another couple more things. Um, what are your other hobbies besides RC racing? Uh, so I play some video games. We all do. I, <laughs> um, yeah, I have a. I actually just upgraded from an Xbox 360 to an Xbox One. Nice. Um, so I play a little, a couple video games, and I do some biking. Um, not motorcycle, but pedal bike. Right. What kind? And, um, actually I just got back from a a vacation. I went to go see some family in Texas Yep. and I was down there and of all things to, to play down there, they had pickleball. Okay. Uh, so if you don't know what pickleball is, you, it's like ping pong and tennis combined, yep. but you use a wiffle ball instead of a, a ping pong ball. So I have a story about that. Sorry to interrupt quick, but I have a story about that. One of the local RC tracks we race at, they have pickleball courts right next to it. It's actually kind of fun to watch. Yeah, so I I, um, I borrowed a paddle and I started playing down there and I... There's actually quite a few places within a few minutes of where I live here. So I, I ordered a paddle, and I'm going to start start to do that. Oh, nice. But uh, what kind of uh, bike do you have? Like, is it a road bike, mountain bike, BMX? It's a hybrid. Um, so I end up taking longer bike rides, 20 miles or so. Okay. Um, so it's... Um, the hybrid is good for like a little dirt trail, not, you know, not going down the mountain trail. Nothing crazy. Right. It, you know, it's like going down an alley that's not paved. Okay. Uh, it's good for that. You know, it won't wipe out or anything like that, but it's, you know, it's, and it's better than a regular like bike for a, riding on the street. Okay. You know, that's not a bad, what brand is, sorry to get it divert from the topic of rc but uh what brand is it because i've been look i i used to race bmx back in the day and i have an old school mountain bike but i need something like a hybrid um what brand do you have i have a specialized oh really nice um and the only reason i got it is because it it fit so i'm kind of lanky I don't know if you guys see me, but <laughs> so finding a bike that works for me isn't exactly easy. Right. I'm the same um, way. So it's, it happened to be the right bike with all the right dimensions on it for me to, to ride easier. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. Um, what else? Let's see. Um, sorry. I'm just going through notes. I'm almost at the end of them. Um, 
So I saw in one of your videos, you have a Euro truck and it only comes out of the box to race. You don't wrench on it at all. Right. So I, and people make fun of me for saying this, but my Euro truck's my favorite class. Um, I so kind of understand thing, it. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Sorry, I said I kind of understand it. Um, I was announcing racing a couple weeks ago at the Minnesota State Champs. And the, so the Minnesota State Champs is held at a car show. And that class drew the biggest crowd. It, it, yeah. So what do you like about it? Do you like it? Do you like trying not to tip around every corner? Do you like trying to edge out an extra half a tenth around a lap or so the whole thing i just the whole thing is just perfect for me so i like a driver's class i like a driver's track i'm all about the driving um and so to take the the setup out of the equation if you will i mean you only can do so many things to the euro trucks right so you glue the side walls yep you throw something in the front diff, you put something lighter in the rear diff, you put some stuff on the shocks, and you go racing. Okay. That's You can't do anything else. Like, that's that's all you got. And so I'm using a cheap old Savox that was laying around. Nice. Um, it's like a Savox 1251 or something. Oh, wow. And it's a good servo. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's, it's, it's cheap compared to some of the other brands. Um, and I got that in there and man, I got the, the old style cab now and the battery I'm using is I resurrected it. Uh, I ended up buying the truck from another guy who never, who built it, but never ran it. Okay. So the one cell was all the way dead. I resurrected the battery. Um, and I just go. I go run the thing. I practice with it one time to make sure the tires are nice and, and cleaned up before the run. Yep. And that's about it. Do you use traction compound? Or is it just... It depends. So if the grip is low, yep. I use traction compound. Okay. If the grip is high, so at, at, um, the local track here is Southern Indian RC Speedway. Okay. And the grip is, is fairly low there. It's black carpet, but it's not, you know, it, it's not MHIC or EA's track. Yep. So the, the grip there is is kind of lower. Um, so I ended up using about half or to three quarter, depending how, how much I accidentally put on, um, on the traction compound. And at EA's track, I went down there and ran, and I didn't end up using any. Oh, okay. Hello. So to kind of give you an example, and then if it's medium bite, I just do a quarter. Yep. Okay. Sorry, you broke up there for a second, but we got the end of that. Um. um yeah. So I, the really, I like the class. You can't mess with the the speed control. You can't mess with the motor. You can't, you know, do too much about oh. it. My tires are finally starting to get worn, but I don't even know if I'm going to replace them. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> You started racing in 01 when J Motors or whatever, the similar J Motors, weren't a thing. Yeah. So have you tried dipping the no, motor? No, I haven't done anything to the motor. It's 
You haven't? Exactly how it came out of the box. So you do, do you want to make it faster? <laughs> I do, but I resist the urge. Okay. Well, if, if you want the, a little bit of a trick, you can uh, PM me later. Cause I mean, you just dip it in water and <laughs> no, you let it there's run a, there's forever. A little more. But... A little more. You do dip it, and you do dip it in water, but you add a little something else to it, too. I mean, I, yeah, I, <laughs> so when I, when I was younger, we cut the brushes and we, you know, we did all that stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you don't touch the internals in. of the motor. It's what you dip it in that makes it good. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to get all technical here. Okay. But I think that, so, I mean, I got passed down the straightaway at, um, Apex Raceway. Yeah. And, my truck is is an average speed on the straightaway. It's not super fast. It's not slow. There was one guy who had a turd motor, and this other guy who passed me down the straight. But I had the better card on the infield, so it I guess it really didn't matter. Okay. Um, and with your truck, my truck doesn't tiptoe around the corners. I don't have to to do that. Does it like? Stip- Except well, at Apex, a, a little bit I did. Yeah. Does it, so? Does your truck like I've seen? the truck's corner in two different ways they either are super tippy or they like skip around the corner like almost like bounce yeah mine mine's none of those mine works like a touring car should wow that that's kind of shocking to be honest with you (laughs) because from what i I saw um gubs Gubbs and Kendall Welch had were they're very very fast drivers. Well, you know Troy Gubbins, yeah. And they every a lot of the cars were tipping, but theirs were doing the skipping around the corner. Yeah. So what that is is they had the body uh, clips too close to the body. Okay. So that's kind of if you go on. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the RC Tech forums. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of died off a little bit, but I'm sure most of the listeners are familiar. It has, but, um, you know, so you just go on rctech.net and you go to the electric on-road forum and you go to the Euro truck forum. And then, you, so it's a ridiculous amount of page, but I'll, I'll save you. So if you put the clips one hole above in the front where they... So they don't touch the Lexan. Yep. And it lets the cab move. You're good. Okay. Um, yeah. And then really, if you're looking to get into Euro truck, the the only mandatory thing to do is glue the side walls all the way up. Yep. Almost to the top of the tread. Not on the tread. Some guys are doing that, and it's not legal with the TCS or whatever it is. Okay. Um, but I just glue it all the way up. And I didn't, I mean, I think a traction roll, if I really pushed it at EA's track, which arguably has the most traction in the whole country. Wow. So, I mean, I've raced at MHIC, and I raced at EA's track, and I've raced all over the place. Um, I haven't been to to the New York track, I forget, 360. Yeah. But, I mean, it's got to be similar. And... So I just glue the tires all the way up and you'll be all right. Yeah, I like that. Um, what brand of uh, touring car are you running? I forgot to ask you that. That's okay. So I run for a small American company. Um, they're called Gizmo Racing. Oh, I've seen those. 
Yeah, so right now I'm running the Genesis. Yep. Um, and I, I really like the car. It's uh, it's super durable. Okay. Um, you can throw it off the track um, via the sweeper, and somebody will put it back on, and you're good to go. Nice. So are you getting into the body wars with touring car? Have you found one you like? Um... You know, you know, I think body wars is a little silly, but in terms of of what allowed and what's not allowed. So for me, um, it is a hundred percent setup dependent on whether an ultra lightweight or a lightweight body works well. Yep. Um, and you know, I'm sure the uber fast guys, the you know, the national world champions can actually make a ultra lightweight body go faster and i've done the math and on paper yeah the ultra lightweight body is is should be faster yep for me as a and i'll categorize myself as a slightly above average racer okay so just that's that's all i got i'm i'll say i'm a regional a main driver consistently okay um and for me, I can get them both to go to the same speed. Uh-huh. Um, and for me, the issue, it, it comes down to the driving. How many times do I tap out versus how many times does the next guy tap out? Yep. You know, sure, the next guy can be a tenth quicker than me on every corner of the lap. But so many things go into that. You know, there's the setup, there's the driving, the consistency, um, you know, patience, driver's etiquette, just there's so many aspects to a race that I think that the body is not super important. I think a good body and finding the right body for your setup and your driving style is important. But you can you have to set up a touring car around the body. Yep. So you can drop bodies on a touring car, but they all handle differently. And it kind of depends how you like a touring car to handle as to which body to go with. Um, so what bodies are you currently going with or do you have a stack like most people? I have a stack like most people. Um, however, the last turn car body I bought was, um, let's see, last year for Snowbirds. So it's been, what, 15, 16, 17 months since I bought a turn car body. Oh, wow. Um... So, did you go to um, the Canadian On-Road Nationals? No. The last big race I went to was the U.S. Indoor Champs. Okay. What are your thoughts on these big races that get over 500 entries? Do you think they need to be capped off, or do you think they need to be longer, all that? I know you're not really that much of an off-road guy right now, but the PNB happened this weekend, and... I tried scrolling through results and there were just way too many people and way too many mains. It seems like not that great of a time in my opinion. So I used to do a lot of off-road racing. Um, and I would go to these, I went to a few large national level events. Okay. And for me, I took more naps than I did racing or track time. That doesn't seem like fun. Well, and so that's my thing. I, I think if I'm going to go travel for a weekend, I'm there to, to race. I'm not there to nap. I'm not there to, to I don't know, 
do do something else. The camaraderie with my buddies is nice. Yep. But I'm, you know, I I paid my money and I want to pay to race, and so I don't know if capping the entries is the, you know, the answer, or if shortening the races are, or what. I know the nitro races, especially the mains, are like forty five minutes long, and that's super cool if there's ten very talented drivers out there because there's a whole nother strategy to that that's not seen in a in a short six or eight minute race, right. Um, but, and I'm sure there's guys out there at a regional level that do well also, but for me, I feel like it's going to be the same result if it's a four minute or a 45 minute race or six minute race. Yep. Um, in terms of that. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some variance and things like that, but I, you know, for off-road to get that many people is just mind boggling to me because they all have a million dollars in tires. Yeah, and they um, might not have even bought the right tires for the. They could have wasted all that money. Right. So that's I don't I don't I don't really get. I like the, I like the jumps for the off road and things like that, but yeah, <laughs> you know that's, that's kind of funny. I, I don't have a, a good answer for that no. one. That's that's something that's going to take a lot of of thought to really to work into and, and an easy answer is to just cap the event in so many races or so many entries. Right. Uh, when you said you like the jumps, that just kind of triggered a memory. So a couple weeks ago, I let my daughter try my stock buggy and she's like, eh, it's, she's like, it's okay. But the, she says the jumps are annoying. She's normally, she, nor- <laughs> she has a TC three, with VTA tires on it and a USGT body, and she gets it around the track pretty good. I'm gonna upgrade her next winter if her driving warrants it. She does not like off-road at all. It's kind of funny. Um, let me think. Um, do you have any um sponsors you'd like to thank before we uh get off here? So I have a, a few sponsors um, that support me and my ambitions and, um, you know, have, have been with me for a while. And I, I race for, for Gizmo Racing USA. Yep. Um, obviously for JonathanRC.com. Right. For Phantom Racing and um, DiscountRCStore.com. And I also race for my what was my local track Michigan RC raceway. Okay. <clears throat> and so those are my, my five sponsors. Um, and that's, you know, those are the guys that, that support me. And I, um, the, the brands that I sponsor, I end up playing an integral role in something of them. I like the, the hands-on approach. I, I like tinkering with stuff and, and um testing and tuning and and things like that yep for sure all right um let me see here is there anything else you'd like to add before uh we finish up tonight yeah so for me i like on road because it's in my opinion it's a it's a more pure form of racing right so the f1 guys in real life don't wish they had more curbs or more jumps or more obstacles to get in the way. They're like right. racing each other and each other on the clock. 
Right. And so for me, that's what Onward does, right? So there's no, oh, well, the jump was beat up when I landed on it. So my car did a backflip and then this and that. And now it's, you know, I hit this board because, you know what, maybe I'm not as good as I wish I was. Or, you know, I tapped out and broke my car or... I sent it out to sweeper because I was trying to push too hard. Right. You know, it really puts you, um, you know, it takes, for me, it takes an excuse out. I don't have a, I don't have anybody else to blame when I get off or onto the track, but myself. Right. Um, myself personally, I like everything, but if I were to focus on one discipline of racing, I know I'd be better than average. But I'm almost 37 years old. I'm just going to keep going with what I enjoy and keep going until my son starts beating me. Then I'm going to quit and pit for him whatever he decides to do personally. That's my goals. Um, All right. Well, I appreciate having you on. Um, You were an awesome interview for sure. Um. I really like how you got in depth about the charging leads and whatnot. And, um, I'd like to, and again, thank you for coming on the show. Joe, it's been a pleasure and I, I appreciate the interview. This is the first one I've, um, I've done, but hopefully not the last. I was going to say, hopefully the first of many. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, um, to be on your show. And I hope that, um, you know, you keep running out of talent, as it were. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to pause this here, and I have a little ending I've been thinking of. So, and again, thank you for being on, and we'll talk to you later. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Bye. All right. Hold on. Still working. All right. That was a great interview with Zach Donathan from Donathan RC Products. Make sure to check out his Facebook page this Tuesday. I believe he said at 9 Eastern. Um, He's doing a leads giveaway, I believe, for 2,700 likes. Also, on his Facebook page, there's a link to his website. Check it out. Build yourself a set of charge leads. Get yourself a leveled up one. In my opinion, it's the best. But, yeah, it was an awesome interview. And I would like to do more in the future with Zach, again, once he gets more products in, I'd like to get more people, more company leaders, more track owners, all that other stuff. I've really enjoyed doing the podcast this past month. I have a renewed vigor for it. I'm motivated. I'm really enjoying it. And I, so far, this is pumping them out once a week, which is kind of shocking. I've never been this consistent with them. So, I want to get into some sad news right now. Brian Kinwald, as everybody in the RC community knows, has passed away this past week. And I wanted to share a little something with you guys. I met Brian Kinwald once. And I can't remember if it was back in 2001 or 2003, but... Back in those two years, we had on-road nationals in Brooklyn Park, as many of you know. Um, Once it was 
at the track when Doug Ringwald owned it, and then once when we had an ownership group that owned the track, but it was the the same track. But um, at one of the races, we had a Tuesday night because we had an on-road track and an off-road track, and all the top guys who had off-road equipment would do a Tuesday night club race, and it was a Tuesday night racing with the Stars race. It raced with Brian Kinwald and a whole bunch of people. And I remember, because I, I didn't race on-road back then, I was against it like a moron. I, I, I was one of those idiots who were like, yeah, dirt only, screw everything else. And that was a horrible way to think, but I was a young kid back then. I, I can forgive myself for that, but Brian and I were in the back of the hobby shop because it was back in the early 2000s in a filthy filthy track that nobody really cared about the building we're in the back of the building chain smoking cigarettes having a nervous conversation with each other um it was nervous small talk between two guys who were just trying to get to know each other i was nervous because it's brian kinwall he is I would say at the time the second biggest celebrity in RC. You know what? No, he was the biggest celebrity in RC back then. I was going to say Masami was bigger. But Brian was bigger back then because his face was on every other page in RC magazines for either a product he came up with that he just hobbled together in his basement coming up with genius things. You can thank Brian Kinwald for bar tires. Or he was on he, he was in a race report or he was in an ad for Trinity or he was in an ad for Losey. Whatever. He was he was RC in America. And we we all knew back in I forget when it was he was sick and he came back in 2011 I remember it was tough for him to come back it's 2010 or 2011 he came back and obviously he can't race at the same level but he kept innovating he built cars for people and he was just a normal guy he was an awesome guy he was a humble guy the RC world needs more Brian Kinwalds, but, I mean, there's only one. Uh, the way he thought, the, the products he made, the ideas he came up with, he, he was the man. True world champion. I'd say a really approachable guy. Nicest guy in the world. So... I just like to say, rest in peace, Brian Kinwald. You were an inspiration to many of us, and you will be terribly missed. And with that one, I'm getting out of here for the night. Hopefully, we'll uh, see you next week. If not two, well, yeah, if not two weeks. We're going to try to keep this going on a bi-weekly basis, if not 
more. So until next time, we've ran out of talent.